Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Come on now, we got to crank it up a little bit, right? Really, I mean, clap like you really enjoyed it. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. Man, what, a, what an incredible job uh, they did this morning. I've, I have certainly been blessed. And I just think, you know, we, we just don't tell each other we love each other. We don't appreciate each other near enough. That's just where I'm coming from. And so sometimes in church, you know, we just let those times go. And, and when you have a band and when you have people that work so hard, you should thank the people in the children's ministry. Every week when you drop off your kids, you should say, you know, thank you. I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you that you would take time to serve my children this morning or, or youth or whatever it is. You know, you should take time today just to embrace those people and love them and let them know that they're important and you appreciate them uh, because you never know. Uh, you never know what life uh, is going to bring us the next day, do you? Aren't y'all excited to be here this morning? Me too. And uh, I had a great time with Lynn, uh, your pastor, last night. I was able to sit down and, and uh, hang out with him for a while and we had a great time. And I know he loves you, and I know he loves this church, and, uh, and you know, when, when you're a pastor, you, you carry a burden sometimes for the people that you love. And he just has a, a, in a, in a wonderful way, not a bad way, but a good way. And he has such a heart for you. And I know that your greatest days are just ahead. I'm excited to be here this morning, and, um, you can probably see, you've probably seen this image, uh, these three crosses. You, you probably see them a lot, you know, around this time of year, around Easter, right? Uh, you do, uh, for us in South Carolina, when I'm on my way to Tennessee, uh, we go up to Gatlinburg a lot, just love the mountains and love to head to Gatlinburg. And there is a farmer on the road who way back off the road, you know, in his pasture has a, has this image, has these three crosses just standing on a hill. And every time I see that, cause we go up there a lot on a motorcycle, cause I'm a redneck. That's what I'm talking, come on, there gotta be another redneck. I ain't the only one here, am I? <clears throat> That's what I'm talking about, yeah. And so, you know, and that's just to see that, that image of those three crosses is just a powerful thing, don't you think? There's another uh, route that we go to Kentucky sometimes, and, and there's another farmer. I don't know what it's about farmers and crosses and their pasture, you know, but we'll see this image of these three crosses. Here's what I've learned over the years. I, I live in the Bible Belt, preaching the Bible Belt. Our heart of our church is really reaching a lot of unchurched people. And what I've learned certainly about unchurched people is they don't get us as Christians, you know? And they don't get our symbols and our, and our images sometimes. And so maybe you're one of those people that you're kind of new to church. <clears throat> and you come to church on Sunday morning and we throw up an image and you go, that is really sweet. I don't know what it means, but it's a really, really sweet image. Here's what else I've learned of uh, being a pastor for, I know, uh, 28 years, 29 years. I know you're shocked. You, most of y'all thought I was just 35 years old. I started preaching when I was six. That's a lie. That's, a, that's not true. Uh, I just made that up. I'm a little older than that. But anyway, what I learned, even about church people, here's what I learned about church people in the South, is that we grow up in church. And we grow up in church, and on Sundays we use these, these words. And we'll use languages, and there'll be images. And the truth of it is, we don't know what they mean either. Do we? I mean, we said praise the Lord, hallelujah, and you know, we ought to be sanctified and glorified. We don't know what those words mean, but we use them. And so we get really confused. Maybe you've even looked at this image and thought it's a sweet image. Honestly, what, what does it mean? What's the power of, of this image and what it means? Well, that middle cross, the center cross, 
was the cross of Jesus, right? And so for those of us that are followers of Jesus, I mean, really, man, when we see that cross, we go, wow, that is the cross. It is symbolic of the cross that Jesus died on. And he died on for my sin. Now, he died for the sins of the world. And I'm great that he died for y'all's sin. But it's really personal for me, you know, because I know I'm a sinner. I'm a professional. I got a PhD in sin. And so to know that Jesus did that for me, wow, it's incredible. But there's also the other two crosses. And sometimes people look at that and they go, I wonder what those two crosses mean. You know, maybe they're just like, there's one was good, three would be even better. You know, what does the other crosses mean? Well, those other crosses are symbolic of the crosses that the thieves died on, right? Well, most of them, how many of you think they were thieves? Absolutely, they were thieves. The Bible says they were thieves. Y'all believe they were thieves. Well, it'll mess you up because what if you read another translation and they don't use the word thieves? You know, we don't, we don't know a whole lot about these guys. We don't know, we don't know where they were from. We don't know how old they were. We don't know anything about their family. You know what? We don't even know what they did. Now, if you think that that word thieves is descriptive of what they did, guess what? It would mess you up because in another translation, it says malefactors. In another translation, it uses the word criminals. And really, the word really just means criminals. Here's what we, here's what we don't know. We don't know anything about these guys that died on the cross. We don't know how old they were. We don't know where they were from. We don't know what their names were. We don't know anything about their families. Listen, we don't even know what they did. We don't even know. I spent years of my life thinking they were just thieves. They stole something, you dummy. I mean, that's what, the, that's what the word means. They were thieves, right? Actually, it just means that they were criminals. So we don't know a lot about them. But here's what we do know. We do know this. We do know that on that day, the day that Jesus was crucified, the day that they were crucified, we know that both of these criminals interacted with Jesus. Now, one of the criminals, here's what he said. Luke chapter 23, verse 39. Here's what one of them said. And you got to know, because you're in church on Sunday morning, and you think everything is real reverent and sweet, right? That is not how this, this, this is not the question. This guy makes this statement. He asks this question with some attitude behind it. Here's what he says. You call yourself the Christ. Like, really? You, you call yourself the Christ? You saved others. Why don't you save yourself and why don't, while you're at it, save us too? Dude, man, this guy is speaking with some attitude. The other guy looks at Jesus and sees something that is completely different. This guy, the other criminal, looks at Jesus and here's what he said. Verse 42 of Luke 23. He said, Jesus, in a very humble way, not with attitude, not with bitterness, not with anger. He looks and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Wow. So that is the image. That's the message behind the image that you see. So when you see these three crosses, now you'll go, yeah, the center cross is symbolic of Jesus. It's the symbolic of the cross that Jesus died on, the, that he died on to pay the penalty for my sin. The other two crosses, you, now you'll think, dude, I don't know if they were thieves. I don't know what they did. Here's what I know. They did something that was so bad that it was deserving of death. And I know that that day, both of these thieves, both of these criminals interacted with Jesus. 
Now, I want to shift gears just a little bit, and we're going to ask a question. Now, I want to ask the question. I have to be honest with you. I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous because I'm not at home. And I, I, I mean, I have the most messed up church in the world. I mean, I'm not kidding you. Our church is just, we got crazy people in our church. They're crazy. And like, we got sinners that, I mean, are like the chief of sinners. I used to think I was a chief, and then we had some other chiefs that moved in. You know what I'm talking about? We got a mixed up, messed up church. So I can do this at our church. I can ask these kind of questions, and our people are just so free. Most of our people are unchurched people, and so they don't know any better. And I always threaten the church people, if you tell them, I'll kill you. Don't you, don't tell them how to be churched. Don't teach them your little stuff, you know. Don't, leave them alone. Just let them be who they are. And so I can ask these kind of questions, and when I do, our people don't know any better. They just raise their hands, you know. They don't know. You're not supposed to raise your hands. That didn't look good. Did you realize what you just did? And so our people don't know. And so I'm a little nervous, and so you got to help me out, okay? Just lie. Just lie and raise your hand and smile at me. You know what I'm saying? I'll just feel better. You know, if you do that. God knows your heart. So I'll just make, it'll make me feel better. So I'm going to ask you this question. On a scale from 1 to 100, on a scale from 1 to 100, how good of a person do you think you are? Now, let me give you the scale so you understand where we're going with this. Okay, like 100 would be Jesus. That's perfection, okay? How good of a person do you think you are? If you raise your hand, you're 100. You're a liar. I'm just telling you right now. You're not perfect. Aren't you glad you came to church today so I could lift you up and encourage you? I'm just telling you, you are not a 100. You just aren't. Now, on the other end of the scale is a 1, right? And a 1 is like the worst of the worst, the baddest of the bad. That would be like the devil himself. Y'all with me? That would be like the devil. So you got kind of the, the extreme ends. You got Jesus over here. He was perfect. You got the devil over here. He's the baddest of the bad, the worst of the worst, chief among sinners. I mean, he is, yeah, you know? Now, now let's say, because I'm going to help you all out. Let's say on the upper end, if you're an upper end digit person, you might be, you know, kind of compare yourself to like a Billy Graham, you know, Mother Teresa. You know, I'm talking about somebody way up in the 90s. You know what I'm talking about? These are really, really spiritual people. Not a lot of y'all are in that group. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now. Anyway, then there's the lower digit people. Now there's lower digit people and the really, really low digit people. Well, that might be somebody like uh, Hitler. You know, I said that at our church Easter Sunday and everybody looked at me just like y'all looking. You can't say Hitler in church on Sunday. That's not even right. God will get you for that, you know. I'm just, I mean, that would be a really, really bad person, wouldn't you agree? Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, Ted Bundy. Those are really, really low-digit people, okay? So, you got that scale in mind? Jesus is 100. He was perfect. You got the Billy Grahams and the Mother Teresas. They're kind of up somewhere up in there, maybe. And then you got the really, really low-digit people. You know, you got the Hitlers and the Ted Bundys and all those really nasty criminal kind of people. And so, with that in mind, with the scale in mind, let me ask you this. How many of you think that maybe you fall maybe in the 1 to 30 range? If you think you fall in the 1 to 30 range, raise your hand. Okay, if we get our ushers to escort these people out, y'all got to go. Y'all bad, bad people. You know what I'm saying? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay, all right. So, one to, one to 30. Okay, some of y'all raise your hand. You think you're in the one to 30. How many of you probably think, I ain't that bad? <laughs> I mean, I ain't the one to 30, but I'm probably maybe in the 30 to 50 range. You know what I'm saying? How many of you say, I'm probably maybe in the 30 to 50 range? Go on, be proud. Be proud. Play like you're Pentecostal. Wave it at me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Bless them, Lord. Bless them, Jesus. Yes, yeah, that's, that's what you kind of do when you're in that kind of church. Now, okay, uh, how many of you would think, okay, 30, 30 to 50, I probably think, because you, you've been looking at people raising their hands, right? You've been looking at that, ooh, that's kind of, 
They got them one to 30 people. Y'all need to be down front. You need to be really, really close down front. And so you've kind of looked around. Maybe you're kind of you know, assessing where you think you might be. How many of you would probably say, you know what? Honestly, I'm probably 50 to 80 range. That's probably, I'm, I'm in church. I love Jesus. I'm doing my best. Go ahead. Don't be ashamed. I can tell y'all, this Baptist, this is Baptist right here. <laughs> Pentecostals, you get your hands up. You know, <laughs> get them both up if you're really spiritual. You know, get them up, get them up, get them up. Now, if you're sitting beside or if you're sitting around one of those, uh, you know, 50 to 80, just pat them on the back right now. Just pat them on the back and say, great job. You know, we, we appreciate you. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of build them up a little bit. Now, I was going to ask, uh, I was going to ask for those who think that maybe you're like the cream of the spiritual crop. Those that think that maybe you were in the 80 to the 100 range, I was going to ask you to raise your hand, but here's the thing, we know you're lying. Because <laughs> Lynn told me, nobody that good goes to this church. That's what he told me. In fact, i got to be honest with you, none of the staff, I could get them out of the 1 to 30 range. I mean, really, really bad people. Now, let me give you just two really simple, obvious thoughts about comparing. Here's what happens when we compare, one of two things will happen. Number one is you'll feel better about yourself, won't you? Right? If like if you were if you were just in the thirty to fifty range, and as soon as you saw somebody in the lower, low, low digits raise their hand, you went, "Thank the Lord." <laughs> I ain't the worst. You know, I'm not the worst. And some of y'all in the 1 to 30 range, you're looking around right now thinking, yeah, but I'm like 29. You know, I'm, I'm really close to the 30. And so oftentimes we'll compare, won't we? And so we'll, I, when I compare, sometimes I feel better. However, the second thing is this. Oftentimes when we compare ourselves to other people, we feel worse, don't we? And I, I didn't really, I didn't want that to happen to you a few minutes ago. But some of you, that might have been exactly what happened to you just a few minutes ago. And you thought, man, you know what? I'm, I, I saw this guy over here and he raised his hand. And you know what? I, he's probably right. He's probably, you know, in the 50 to 80 range. He's probably 80. Cause I mean, he can, when he prays, you know what I'm talking about, guys? The people that pray in public in church. I mean, the, the really spiritual people. We don't ask losers, do we? We don't ask spiritual losers to pray in church. It'd be terrible. It'd be a train wreck, wouldn't it? And so we ask the really spiritual people that know the spiritual words. And so we ask them to pray in public because we want to look good, you know, and that's what we do. And so maybe some of you know some of those people and you think, man, when they pray, oh my gosh, man, they like touch heaven. I mean, really, really spiritual. And if there's a situation, that person right off the top of their head can quote a verse of scripture and they can just go on and on and on and on and on. And that's what happens when we compare. We'll either feel really bad about ourselves or we'll feel really good about ourselves. And some of those of you that are here this morning that feel really bad, you've been trying really hard, haven't you? You really have. It's not but lack of effort. I mean, you've come down maybe during revival. They had that special service. You came down, you know, knelt at the altar. You were crying. Snot was dropping and dripping and you were wiping. You just, you know, you've left with an ugly mess. Nobody wanted to shake your hand that day when you left, right? It was just ugly. And you thought, I've tried to the best of my ability to hit the spiritual restart button. I want to do better. But I can't. And you know what the restart thing is. I'm not real good at computers. And so sometimes when there's something wrong with mine, usually our tech guys at the church will say, Have you, when's the last time you rebooted? When's the last time that you restarted your computer? And I said, well, never. I didn't know I was supposed to do that. And they said, yeah, you have to do that every now and then because it puts all the files back to where they're supposed to be. Everything goes back. It cleans everything up. And some of you have been trying to do that spiritually and you're just wore out. Because when we compare sometimes... Sometimes it makes us feel worse about who we are. 
What I want to do today is I want to look at two really, really low-digit people. I want to look at two really, really low-digit people. And these, these two guys were desperate. They needed to hit the spiritual restart button. And let me tell you why. Because death was imminent for them. These, these are the two criminals on the cross with Jesus. And they knew that there wasn't anybody going to run out and say, well, time out. You know, there's been a stay of execution. <laughs> and they would think, really, you're a little late. You know, I got three nails in me. They've beaten me. I mean, this is not a good thing. And they wouldn't, they, they knew that there was no possibility of their lives being spared. Death is imminent. They know that they're guilty of the crimes that they've committed. They desperately needed to hit the spiritual restart button because eternity was facing them face to face. Luke 23 verses 32 and 33. Two criminals, two others, both criminals were led out to be executed with him. When they come to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Now, I've already told you, we don't know a lot about these guys. We, we, don't know, we don't know their names. We don't know anything about their family. We don't know their crimes. We don't know where they lived. We don't know anything about these families. All we know is that they were so bad that whatever their sin was, whatever their crime was, it was like so bad that it was deserving of death. Now... They were being crucified. Now, I, I don't know. Again, we grew up in church. I, I grew up thinking, I guess everybody in that day was crucified, right? If you were going to be executed, I guess like the mode of execution for that day would have been crucifixion. So everybody would have just like been crucified. That's not true. Go back and study, look at history. There were actually many different ways, many different ways to execute somebody. This particular way, crucifixion, It was the most expensive. It was the most expensive way. And therefore, because it was the most expensive way to execute, it was reserved to do one of two things. The first thing, it was, it was used to publicly humiliate someone. And so, you know what? You've probably read the story. You've probably saw the movie, you know? And, and so you've looked at Jesus that was crucified and you, you hear all, they hurled insults at him. They made fun of him. They called him names. I mean, they, he went through all of this and you thought it was probably just Jesus. No, it wasn't. Anybody that would have been crucified, they wanted to make sure that they were publicly humiliated for whatever they've done. It was the, it was the way of the, the town people, the, the people of that village to be able to, to publicly humiliate them. I mean, they talked about their mama. You know what I'm talking about? It was ugly. And the second thing was this. It served to publicly humiliate a person. And the second thing that it served to do was to bring excruciating pain. It was the most painful mode of execution of that day. And they meant for it to hurt. They absolutely meant for it to be excruciating. It was the most expensive way, and I'll tell you why it was the most expensive way. Because it took at least four Roman soldiers. It took a Roman centurion. And oftentimes, these guys could live some for hours. Some literally could last up to two or three days. On the cross. Can you picture that in your head? They're, they're, they're hanging on the cross on three nails. The only way that they can possibly breathe after a period of time is to push on that one nail that's through their ankles, to push on that one nail to be able to push up and to gasp for air. 
It was terrible. So we know, we don't know a lot about these criminals. But what we do know is that they would have been considered to be the lowest in their society. Now that's the picture of who Jesus died beside. Scripture goes on to say in Luke 23, verse 39 through 42, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So, so, you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it. I love that, don't you? I I love skeptics. And so here's the guy, down on the cross, he sees nothing in Jesus. He says, so, you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it. Prove it. Why don't you save yourself, and then while you're at it, save us too? In other words, this guy, listen, if you are really God, if you will bless me, I will follow you. Was kind of his mentality. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God? Man, are you crazy? Don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? And then he says, we deserve to die for our crimes. But this man, this guy that we're beside, he's not done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responds to this man. It's, it's beautiful. I don't understand it. I was, I missed a chunk of church in my young years. And so I, it's a lot about church I don't know and I didn't understand. And I look at scripture sometimes. I, I ask weird questions and I think, really? Wait a minute. Jesus, he's the son of the living God. I, I did a little bit of study. He's the son of the living God. He was absolutely perfect. And in that moment, as he's dying on the cross, for the first time in his existence, he feels the, the sting and the pain of sin. He knows what it means to be an adulterer, a, a fornicator, a, a liar, a cheater, a, a thief. He, he understands what all of that feels like in that moment. Every sin that's ever been known to man. For the first time in his existence, he, he's experiencing sin. And he is dying the worst death imaginable. He's being publicly humiliated for the peop- to, uh, by the people that he loves and he's dying for. And it's the most excruciatingly painful death that you can imagine. And if that had been me in that moment, I wouldn't have been concerned about these two old boys that's dying beside me. How about you? I'm just being honest. If it were me, I probably would be thinking, man, are you kidding me, boys? I'm dying for the sins of the world. Man, I am the Savior of the world. Don't you? Listen, I don't have time to fool you right now. You're important. I love you. I'm dying for you. But right now, I've got so much on my hands. But that's not what Jesus does. As he's died on the cross for the sins of the world, he notices the, the thief beside him. And he says, today, you will be with me in paradise. Wow. I think that this story, perhaps above all others, illustrates one of the most important truths in life, and it corrects one of the biggest misunderstandings in the world. One of the most common misunderstandings in the world today is this. And I'm amazed by how many church people feel this way. Certainly all the religious people I know feel this way. Good people go to heaven. Good people go to heaven. The, the problem is, is that we don't know where the tipping scale is. Right? So, if you're 1 to 49, you're going to hell. But 50. I mean, I mean you were saved if you make it to 50. 
And then some of us would go, are you kidding me, 50? That's kind of a low-ball number, don't you think? I mean, Jesus gave his life. He died an excruciating death. It was incredibly painful. I mean, wow. Don't you think that somebody that really is deserving of heaven, somebody that's really going to be good enough to go to heaven, probably needs to be somebody maybe 70, maybe 75, maybe 80. How do we know? We're not sure as humans where the tipping scale is. And there's a lot of people that I've met over the years that think, you know, I'm basically a good person when I compare myself to somebody else. And so that's how we become religious in church. You know that, don't you? And we become puffed up with pride, right? And so preachers will get on the, they'll get up on the pulpit and they'll go, you know, MTV, all the people, they're going to hell in a handbasket. All of the young people today, bless God. And we feel so self-righteous, don't we? Because we think that we're maybe upper digit people. And so lower digit people visit our church. I was a lower digit person. And when I went to church, I just felt judged. I knew what I was. I knew I was a lower digit guy. I knew it. And all the upper digit people, they just... I know what it's like to sit in a church, a large church, and on a Sunday morning, a crowd of youth, probably a hundred plus kids that would exit their Sunday school classes, literally walk up the center aisle right beside me and wouldn't even acknowledge that I was in the church. Nobody in all of my lost years, nobody ever invited me to a youth meeting. Nobody ever said, listen, man, we're going to have this retreat. There's this big blowout youth thing going on. We would love for you to attend. Nobody ever invited me. The upper digit people. See, I love this story. I love this story. I had to start this morning, and I'm going to go in a completely different direction tonight, but I had to start this morning with the cross. I just had to. Because good people don't go to heaven. This criminal was the lowest of the low, the baddest of the bad. Whatever he did, it was so bad that they said, we're willing to pay money to see you hurt and suffer with excruciating pain. And while you're dying in excruciating pain, we're going to laugh at you and make fun of you. and We're going to mock you. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Churchy people don't necessarily go to heaven. Religious people don't necessarily go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. So maybe you're thinking this morning, well, how do I prepare myself for eternity? I mean, really, what are the essential elements of starting over? How do I hit the spiritual restart button in my life? How do I do that and find forgiveness? Well, I want us to look at this forgiven criminal, and we're just going to look at two things that this guy did that we can apply to our lives so that we'll be ready. The first one is simply this. This forgiven criminal, he's just willing to admit that he's wrong. That's it. Verse 41, we deserve to die for our sins. I mean, this guy stands there and he, he looks and he says, we're guilty. We did, well listen, we committed these acts. I deserve it. 
He was willing to admit that he was a sinner. Now, what do sinners do? Y'all know? <laughs> you think you're only in church on a Sunday morning if we ask a question. Jesus is always the answer, right? It's not in this case. So what, is sin? what do sinners do? I know it's not hard. We sin. <laughs> I know it's hard. I know you're thinking, that was a trick question. You were trying to trip us up. I could see you. You are trying to trip us up. No, I really wasn't. Sinners sin. Here's what we think. Sin is when I do really bad stuff. Bad, you do bad. Listen, the criminal, he was a thief. He did something, some kind of bad act. He offended this public community, so he deserved death. That's what he deserved. He was a bad guy, you know? And sin is bad things that we do that we shouldn't do. That's part of it. But it's only part of it. Romans 3.23 says what? They all sinned. And then what Paul does is he gives us a definition of that Greek word. That Greek word in that context is the Greek word harmatia. And what it means is to miss the mark of perfection. It's to miss the mark of being a 100. Jesus was the glory of God. He's the only perfect person who ever lived. So, guess what? It's doing bad stuff that we, that we shouldn't do, and it's doing those things, but it's also good things that we should do and don't do. Oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? No, I'm not, really. So you mean like if, 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 if I mean, I, I stop drinking, I stop cussing, I, I stop chewing, I stop, you know, dating girls that chew. I, if, I, if I stopped all these bad things... You mean to tell me I'm still a sinner? Yep. Because if there's somebody that you, you could help and, and you don't, guess what? You're a sinner. If you need to be in the Word, study this, uh, uh, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the Word of truth. If you should be in the Word and you're not, guess what? You're a sinner. If you should tithe and you don't tithe, guess what? You're a thief. <laughs> you didn't see that coming, didn't you? You should have saw the look on your face. <gasps> he said, tithing. I didn't think he was, that's not your job. Let the pastor talk about money. You know. Anyway, so it's good things that we should do and don't do. Wow, that's sin. And this guy says, I'm a sinner. I think what's interesting today is, is that a lot of people today, we live in a kind of culture where we just don't like admitting that we're wrong. Um, we compare ourselves to others. That's what we do. And we said, well, you know what, I mean, I, you know, I ain't all that in a bag of chips, but I'm telling you, compared to that guy, you know what? I'm a saint compared to that guy. I mean, I feel, if anybody deserves heaven, I mean, I'm not as good as Aunt Sue or Grandma, but I'm telling you, I'm not as bad as that guy. Maybe, maybe I'm like 51 or 52. Maybe that's the tipping scale for me. So for those of you that think you're really good, I'm going to cut you down to size. <laughs> I'm going to do it in a really fun way, though, okay? You're going to feel so much better about yourself when I get done, okay? So I'm going to ask some more questions. I want you to understand I'm participating with you, okay? I'm not just raising my hand as an example for what you, should, what you do. I'm going to ask the questions, and I'm going to say, if you raise your hand, and I want you, if you see me raise my hand, I'm guilty, okay? So here's the first one. How many of you would be honest and say, I've told a lie in my life. I, I'm guilty of lying. Those of you who aren't raising your hand, you're liars. <laughs> We just, we, just, we just want to be the ones to tell you. Okay. You ever told a lie? Most of you raised your hand. Okay, how about this question? You got to be honest. How many of you would say, honestly, I've stolen something in my life? Check my bag over there. Make sure I got my stuff. <laughs> a bunch of thieves in here. It's awful, isn't it? Okay. How many of you would probably say that you've had the ability to help somebody, 
You know what I mean? Like, we got that little frog money, y'all, I don't know what y'all call it, uh, you know, and here in North Carolina, and, and we're really redneck in the South. And so we got that little squirrel money is what we call it. And squirrel money is that money that your wife don't know about. <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about? I see some of you men right now. Oh, you know, you don't even want to look up. Your wife's right beside you. How much money you got, you know? But anyway, you got that little squirrel money. And so here's the thing. You might be at church. Maybe you're in growth group. I don't know. And suddenly you find out there's a need. And they say, you know what? If everybody would give $10 and you're thinking, I got $10, but they don't nobody know it. My wife don't know it either. I hope Jesus don't know because I ain't told him. And so here's the thing. You, you could help somebody financially, but if you're really honest, you say, nope, I spent it on myself. If, you, if you've been guilty of that, raise your hand. There you go. Now wave it at me. Y'all feel good. Okay, here's a really hard one. I, I did this Easter Sunday. You can imagine the response I got in our church. It was a hoot. I said, okay, how many of you would say honestly that you've had a lustful thought? A bunch of perverts in this church. <laughs> I said, what was funny? I did that Easter Sunday, and so I did that, and so there was this, this couple sitting out there, and so this guy, he kind of raised his hand, and you could tell he wanted to look at his wife, but not since I've been with you, honey. It was when I was young. You know, not since I've been with you. Okay, okay, we've had a lustful thought. Well, if you had a lustful thought, Jesus said, if you look lustfully at a woman, you committed adultery. So you're an adulterer. So, hey, you feeling good about, don't you feel good about yourself right now? You're thinking, I'm so glad I went to church today so this pastor could lift me up and encourage me. Okay, how many of you would say, honestly, that there's been times when you put something ahead of God? You said, you know, I did. Honestly, I did. I sold out, put something ahead of God. Wow. So if you've done all these things, and most, most of you in here say that you have, thank you for participating. It makes me feel a whole lot better. Uh, I just want you to know that you're a lying, thieving, adulterous idolater. <laughs> now we're going to give the invitation. Every one of you should come. I'm just saying. <laughs> Here's my point. Here's my point. You're really not a good person when you compare yourself to the standard of God. See, the thing of it is, is that we can become judgmental. And, and religious people do that. Churchy people do that sometimes. And we look down our self-righteous nose, and somehow we think, I'm better than you. I'm better than you because I think maybe I'm a 50. You're probably a 30, you know? And so I'm a little bit better than you. But the thing of it is, is that once we compare ourselves to the standard of God, none of us measure up. In fact, the Bible says it like this, really clear, James chapter 2, verse 10. Don't miss this verse. For the person who keeps all of the laws, all of the laws except one, is as guilty, is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. And you've got to be going, for those of you in the lower digits, you're going, yes, I knew that guy wasn't any better than I am. <laughs> you're right, he's not. He's not. Because it doesn't matter if you're a five or if you're 25, or if you're 55, or if you're 95, it doesn't matter. We all are equally as guilty as the next person. My point is simply that we've all fallen short. The forgiven criminal, he just says, you know what, I'm a sinner. I'm willing to admit that I'm a sinner. The second thing that this forgiven criminal does that we can apply to our lives is this, is he, he's just willing to ask for help. This forgiven criminal, he's... He's just willing to ask for help. Now, don't miss this. Please don't miss this. Because both criminals asked for help. They did. 
Remember the one old mean guy, bitter? I don't know what happened to him, but he, something that happened to him. He became very, very bitter, very enraged. Maybe he hated religious people. I'm not really sure. Maybe it was the religious crowd of his day that actually were the ones that were the biggest proponents of him actually being on the cross. Maybe, maybe he just felt the sting and the pain of all that. I don't know. The forgiven criminal just simply says, Jesus, I'm guilty. And just, would you just remember me when you come into your kingdom? It's interesting. Both men are guilty. Both. They're, they're both suffering the excruciating pain of the crucifixion. Both are dying. Both of these men needed a Savior. Both of them heard the exact same things. I, how, why was it that one guy saw Jesus as the Son of God and the other guy totally missed it? I have no idea. And here's the reality. The reality is, is that every single one of us here this morning are one of two thieves. And the amazing thing to me is, and I've experienced this a lot in our church, is that literally there'll be people sitting side by side and one person, wow, it's, it's amazing. Two people sitting side by side and one person, you watch them. You know, you watch them as we progress through the service and they're leaning in almost. They're almost leaning in physically, leaning in, hinging on every word that you say. And in those moments, it scares me. I say, God, please don't let me mess this up. You know I'm crazy. You created me like this. I'll say something stupid if you don't help me. Don't let me mess it up. And in that moment, that person's life will be radically changed. I mean, transformed. Somebody that was lost will suddenly be found. Somebody that was, was heavy with the weight of sin will suddenly find love and mercy and grace and forgiveness. And oftentimes, seated right beside that person will be another person. And it completely goes over their head. And nothing happens. And I don't understand it. I don't understand how one life is changed and another is not. You're one of two thieves. Now, for those of you that are theologically astute, you're probably already nailing me theologically through this message, aren't you? I started with the one to hundred, and you said, Ah, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. You're exactly right. I was. We're all zeros. <laughs> Now you really feel good, don't you? I mean, we're, we're all zeros. That's what we are. Before Jesus, we are all, technically, we are all zeros. However, and this is really important, but because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, those of us who have repented of our sin, asked forgiveness, and who are now in Christ, we become one hundreds. Now, I don't know, I don't know where y'all are at, but we, we have a program in our church called Celebrate Recovery, and we've always had a huge ministry at reaching people who struggle with their hurts, habits, and hang-ups. I mean, we got a church full of drunks. I'm not kidding you. We really do. It's, it's, it's crazy. I remember this one Sunday, I don't know if I got time to tell the story anyway. I remember this one Sunday, this mama brought her son down, and he had his ball cap on, and his, you couldn't even see his eyes. His, his, his hat was down so far. And, and he, she said, I want to introduce you to my son. And he just barely looked up. And he, would, he, was, he was nice. He was kind. But you could just tell that he was just so overwhelmed with guilt and shame. And she said, she whispered. She leaned over and she whispered. She says, he just got out of prison yesterday. 
beaten. And I put my arm around him. And I said, son, do you see that man right there? Do you know where I met that man? I met him at Perry Correctional Institute. It's a maximum security prison in South Carolina. I met him there, led him to Jesus. He served. He served over 10 years. He was a bad boy. You know what I'm saying? Served over 10 years. Y'all don't even know anything about the jail stuff. But if you've served 10 years, you're bad, you know? And I said, I led him to Jesus at Perry Correctional. He got out. He found this church. He's been here ever since. I said, you see that, you see that girl right there? She was a whore. She was a prostitute, a drug addict. I mean, I went on. I said, honestly, honestly, I'm not kidding you. When I met her the first time, she brought me her, her rap sheet, and it was that thick. It like a Sears Roebuck catalog. i never seen anything like it before in my life. I said, Lord, have mercy, girl. You've been busy. And she said, yes, you're right. She said, I can't get a job. I'm, I'm, I'm branded for life. I have to carry this book of sin with me everywhere I go. But she found Jesus. She served two, two and a half year sentences in state penitentiaries. And I said, you see that boy right there? I said, in Kirkland, in Columbia. I said, he did two and a half years. And I looked at him and I said, son, get your head up. Because you're in a safe place. We're all sinners here. That have found the grace of God. It's a, it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. And we tell our people and Celebrate Recovery, people that they come out last week, we had a goal of 200 to just show up on Thursday night. I'm telling you, we're a messed up church. And uh, we're able to look at these people. And if you go to a lot of uh, recovery uh, 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 programs, sometimes you get up and say, my name is Scott and I'm an alcoholic. And we look at our people and go, no, that's, that's who you used to be. It's not who you are. That's not who you are anymore. Yes, it is. I struggle with drinking. No, you are a child of God. You're not a zero. You have become a 100 in Jesus. Don't you get it? What we want to do is to teach you how to live like the child of God that you are. Because that's who you are. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. Romans chapter 3 verses 20 through 22 said like this. You can never, ever, ever be made right with God. Ever. By doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Hello? But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him with Without keeping the requirements of the law. That didn't sound right. That sounds sacrilegious somehow. That's not right. Yes, it is right. That's what's promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone. Whoa. What? This is true for everyone. Not some people. Not just the special people that God loves more than others. That's, that's not the case. He loves the lowest of the low. This is a story about Jesus reaching the lowest of the low who deserve nothing. And he says, I extend to you my love and my grace. It's true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Check this out. I love this part. It's just another one of those little bitty things in the story that to me, just this forgiven criminal, he can do anything. When, listen, Jesus... Jesus could have said, man, I'd save you, but really? <laughs> I mean, you've been bad all your life. You don't deserve, at the, at the last moment before you die, you don't deserve mercy. You don't deserve grace. Are you kidding me? They weren't going to take him off the cross and let him go do some good works. He didn't raise it, you know, he couldn't raise his hand, he was nailed to the cross. He couldn't say, hey, 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 if y'all will take me, I need to go serve the poor. You know, let me do that. Let me take all that I've taken from you and repay it. Jesus looks at a guy who deserves nothing but death. 
who cannot do one thing for him and says, Today you will be with me in paradise. 1 Peter 1.3 says it like this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy. Don't you love that? That we have been born again. Mm -hmm. Because God raised Jesus from the dead. We're all one of two thieves. We're just one of two thieves. Some of you are here this morning and you are genuinely a follower of Jesus. And probably a follower of Jesus. And you said, dude, I'm probably, I'm in that 1 to 30 range. And you've probably walked in here with the weight of sin hanging on your shoulders. It's the only time that the devil will lie to us, will, will actually tell us the truth. Mostly he's a liar. But he'll look at us and say, who do you think you are? You cheat. Look at, who do you think you are? I know the thoughts that you have. And you go, God, you're right. And sometimes he will so weigh us down that we, although we have been made free, we're still locked up in prison. And if you're here this morning and you would say, you know what, I'm one of those followers and I'm really just weighed down with my sin. I, I, I do this at our church. Uh, it's probably not a cool thing to do. It, it kind of goes against a lot of the modern philosophy, but, but we do it at our church. And I say, if you're a follower of Jesus, and you're saying, I'm guilty, I, that's how I feel. I ask our people, without anybody bowing their head or anybody closing their eyes, I ask followers of Jesus, if they've really been convicted of some sin, the Holy Spirit showed up, if they would just raise their hand. And let me tell you why I do it. Yeah, right, so if that's you, can you slip up your hand? Thank you. Let me tell you why I do that. Because... We reach so many people that are so far from God. And I just think that if we, as followers of Jesus, if they could just see us and say, wow, I, th I thought you were like one of those 70 guys. I thought at least you were probably, you know, in the 60s. And so you mean you struggle like me? And we go, yeah, we do. If you just slid up your hand, here's what I want you to know. Here's what the Bible says. There is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. I'm going to come back tonight because I'm going to talk about how to grow up. How do we grow up in the faith? You don't want to miss tonight. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I'm not a follower of Jesus. And honestly, probably the reason is I just thought I can't, I can't do it. I know I'm a sinner. Maybe you were like me. Every time I walked in the church, the preacher didn't have to preach long or hard. He didn't have to take out the Bible and beat me over the head with it. I said, guilty, it's charged. I know I'm a sinner. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus and you say, you know what, Scott? But this morning, I've never been able to see or hear or imagine the love of God the way that God spoke to me this morning. Wow. I need Jesus. I need Him. I, I want to be like that thief. I just want to humble myself before Him. If that's you, every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I don't want to do anything that would bear embarrass somebody that's uh, not a follower of Jesus. Hopefully we've already set the example for you here. If that's you, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but I'd like to be. 
then will you just pray this prayer quietly and silently right there in your seat? You're not a follower of Jesus, but you'd like to be. Won't you say something like this? Just humbly go to Him right now and say, Sweet Jesus, thank You. Thank You for dying on the cross for my sin. Thank You. Thank You for speaking to me this morning and in clear terms that I could understand. Thank You for Your love and Your mercy and Your grace. And right now, right there where you are, to say, Lord, Jesus, please forgive me of all my sin. Fill me with your Spirit so that I can serve you for the rest of my life. Overwhelm me with your love. Thank you for your mercy. Every head is still bowed and every eye is still closed. If you just prayed that prayer, could you just slip up your hand? Is there anyone here this morning? Yeah, sweet. Anyone else? Everybody look this way. Now, here's the cool thing. I know in church, because uh, we re-reach, some people really don't have a clue about church. And so I remember sometimes we'll do a public invitation call. And, and when we do, we had this lady came down one time and she, she kind of laughed. She says, what do we do down here? <laughs> what do you want to do? She said, I don't really, under, I don't get this. You know, I said, it's okay. I'm here. Maybe you just want to talk and chat a little bit about your life. And maybe I could pray with you. That's, that's why we're here. And, and really, you know, for those of us who have been in church for a while, one of, what we know is that you can make that private commitment right there in your seat. But boy, when you step out to come, you know you mean business, don't you? This should be a very safe place, and I believe that it is. So I would encourage you to do this morning. Everyone standing, just everybody standing. Well, I would encourage you, if you slipped up your hand as a follower of Jesus and said, wow, I'm just weighed down by the guilt of my sin. Maybe you just want to come and kneel here and just confess and hang out with your Heavenly Father just for a little bit. And it'll be a sweet time just between you and Him. I'll be here. I'll pray with you. Lynn will be here. He'll pray with you. Maybe you're here and you slipped up your hand and you said, I prayed the prayer, man. I accepted Christ as my Savior this morning. Then I wish you would come and let us know because we want to celebrate that with you and we want to help you. Because walking with Jesus, again, we don't talk about growing up tonight. You want to be here. It just, you, you got to learn how. And those of us that have got a lot of scars, a lot of skinned up hands and elbows and knees that have fallen a lot over the years let us help you let us love on you and just help you to understand what it really means to walk with Jesus as John plays I'll invite you to come welcome you are listening to sermon audio from day three church in Granite Falls North Carolina We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.